I'm Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reese 5th, next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. And we're excited to have with us here in studio for an introduction and profile, Michael Balco. He is a sports podcaster and ex a really extraordinary story here. Can't wait to hear more about it. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing to be here today. Wonderful. All right. So let's let's get your origin story. Tell us where you grew up. Are, are you a native uh, Erie kid or did you um, kind of uh, transplant in? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of both, though. Okay. I, I kind of consider Erie my hometown, but unfortunately, I was not born here. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, moved up to uh, Georgia for a little bit of my life and uh, moved out to eventually moved out to Seattle, Washington and Ended wow, up, all four quarters there, yeah, Michael. Yeah, That's all four awesome. quarters, and now yeah. we're here in Erie. I've called Erie home for over a decade now, and I love yeah. it, and I call it my hometown. So Fantastic. Um, and so uh, tell us about, like, your journey of sports. So, like, did you have somebody that was – or did you play sports? Like, you, like I was a – I was an NFL fan as a really little kid, right? Or, you know, how did it, how was it for you? Yeah, so like in my very, very early youth, you know, I was initially drawn to sports. I was a big wrestler growing up. Um, when I lived in Georgia down south, wrestling's huge. And, Is it really? Yeah, at one point I was actually, I think I was like eight years old. I was like the number four or five wrestler in the state of Georgia at eight years old. It was crazy. And then uh, so I was living with my great-grandma at the time and, she eventually passed away, and I Ooh. ended up having to uh, move out to Seattle with my aunt and uncle, and they were quite the opposite. They they kind of despised sports in, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I still I still had that love, you know, and my love was starting to grow for other sports such as the NFL and MLB and stuff like that, especially in a place like Seattle that's just so deep in the sports history. You know, you got the Seattle Mariners, the Seahawks, you know, the Seattle Sounders even. I mean, uh, 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 MLS. Is yeah, that, that's okay. MLS. And then okay. we have the WNBA team, Seattle Storm out there. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they had it all, every bit of it. And it's the fan base is passionate. Well, the Sonic, the, right. What? The Supersonics, right? Or Yeah, they had the Sonics. They they weren't around anymore whenever I was there. But... So they lost their NBA team? Yeah. Okay. They haven't you. had them for a while. But uh, See how, how out of sorts I am? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Hey, there was talks of them coming back. That'd be nice. But uh, yeah. But yeah, and so out there, you know, they they weren't sports fans. I still had it. Um, so what actually what I had to do um, 
is I had to dig in the recycling bin and trash cans to like find the sports section of the newspapers <laughs> in order to stay in the loop. And I would like cut it out and like oh my clip goodness. it inside like a little binder. And that's how I would stay up to date. And I did it all without my aunt and uncle knowing. And it was wild. So uh, that's how I continued my love for sports. And I think it helped me a lot, you know, like in hindsight, just being able to see more of the statistical side of things, really getting to I was, I was probably more in loop than the average fan was who got to watch the games because I'm sitting here like reading every single thing. I was I gonna can. say, did you did you get enamored by the data of like let's say you know uh, pitch counts and and hitting average and and you know time on base and all that kind of stuff or yeah you know who runs the forty the fastest <laughs> or whatever right yeah yeah it, it was weird because like you know obviously my my initial attraction was the New Orleans Saints and um, now why is that. So the first time I ever actually got to watch a Super Bowl, I got to watch the Saints Super Bowl, and I just fell in love with like kind of their story, you know. And this is the Brett Favre era, or <laughs> yeah, that was the year we beat Brett Favre and the whole Bounty Gate era. Okay, so oh Drew Brees, this is <laughs> Drew yeah, Brees. who that? Okay, Drew Brees, yeah, gotcha. but this, that All was right. the year we beat the Vikings and Brett Favre in the playoffs. We ended up going to the Super Bowl and wow. the whole Bounty Gate thing, which is not a great thing in hindsight. But uh, <laughs> yeah, remind us of that because yeah, that was uh, back when the Saints were involved in a scandal where um, they were being paid to injure players or hurt them oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They set a bounty on <laughs> on a, a receiver or something like yeah, that. Yeah, wow. one of them was on Brett Favre supposedly. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. denying all the allegations. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but the, you you uh, you you fell in love with the Saints because of that Super Bowl. Yeah. And you've kind of been following them. Is that kind of your number one team? Yeah, yeah. I've been a diehard Saints fan ever since then, ever since that day. And um, my aunt actually in Georgia was a big Saints fan too. I found that out after the fact, but but yeah, so I've just been a Saints fan ever since, and you know we've had some good years, we've had some some tough years, but but yeah, I've just kind of stuck with them. But but yeah, to answer your question, definitely I was more in depth with the whole like you know statistical side of things, and I've really fallen in love with the statistical side of things, and I think that all of that you know digging through the newspapers and stuff like that has actually helped me because a lot of the reason I have my you know social media followings that I do is because I I post really interesting and creative stats that a lot of people don't think about. And it's really helped me grow my following and and create a unique fan base that really you know follows me because they know I'm going to post content like that. Tell me about the thread then that goes uh, you know from being a fan to being a sports influencer. Like talk about I mean because you actually you you had a career in the sports industry at one point, right? Yeah. Uh, like as far as uh, I mean, you have one now, but I'm saying somehow you started that that thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it all kind of started for me, you know, when I moved here to Erie, you know, really, um, is whenever I was able to just freely, you know, follow sports to my heart's desire. Yeah. Um, so when I moved out here, I was able to do that. And, um, you know, I really had a passion for writing. Um, I really had a passion for, you know, just social media as a whole. You know, social media was just starting to pick up whenever I moved out here. Mm -hmm. And so I hopped on it. I got on Instagram and I created an Instagram fan page called Saints Highlights. And it erupted like overnight. I posted one one picture one time after a Saints overtime win against the Dallas Cowboys, and the picture got like three thousand likes just overnight. And then my following went from like thirteen people that all knew me to uh, <laughs> a few a few thousand overnight. And then from there, I just I stayed consistent with it, and I was able to work with some some pretty cool brands and stuff like that. Get free merchandise, some 
I mean, I got to work with like Budweiser. They sent me like barbecue sauce and interesting and Carhartt. I got to work with Carhartt and get a hat from a them young per- a young person from Erie, PA, but mm-hmm. in love with the Saints, and yep. and it just it, it evolves from there. You build a following. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I, I'll go deep. We're going to go deep on your on your podcast and something, but mm-hmm. like, is there something that your fans? are really you know expecting from you so we mentioned we mentioned the statistics part is yeah. that real is that what is that the value proposition if you will uh that you bring to the table it's like i've done my research you can count on on my take yeah on my hot take you know yeah i think i'm one of like the uh the interesting kind of people out there that kind of incorporates a bunch of different things into one you know i I have the statistics side of me. I also try to incorporate a little bit of humor with it. And, you know, I, I like to debate people and I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but most of the time I'm right, you know, in terms of like. It's one of those, you, you sit at a table, <laughs> prove me I'm wrong, you yeah. know, by the states, the Saints should, uh, you know, who the Saints should pick on their on their draft pick, right? They're number right, one. Right, right, yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's awesome. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I do a little bit of that. And then, you know, I think I think people just expect me to like continue to interview some some cool people. I think that has a lot to do with it now that I've watched my podcast mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I've even been blessed to have broken a few sports stories in my past. Um, you know, some some big some big ones with the Saints and stuff like that. So I, I, that's how I probably got a lot of my following as well. Is just I broke a couple sports stories, just like you know Adam Schefter or the big dogs have. Um, I was able to to get a hold of a couple of those and. Um, yeah, I mean, the statistics side of things and my journalism and, and things of that nature are all kind of accumulative is the reason why I have my following. It, is being in Erie a limiting factor or, or not so much for you to do this? Um, I mean, I've had definitely moments where it's like, you know, I mean, it's 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 expensive to fly out of Erie, for example, to yeah. go to go to spring training or, you know, to mm. go to, to football camp, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I. Erie has been a super big blessing for me. You know, I worked nine years for the Erie Sea Wolves and six for the Bayhawks and stuff like wow. that. So that that was able to help me build a lot of very cool and strong connections. Um, but in terms of like being able to like collaborate with big people, to a certain extent it has, you know, like, you know, one of the biggest things that's been a challenge for me right now is trying to find some, some podcast sponsorships. Like it's very mm-hmm. difficult for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like what I do and what I talk about is a very interesting niche that I feel like people would want to <laughs> sponsor, you know, like all my podcast, all I'm doing is interviewing athletes at the highest level. 99% of the time they've, they have NFL experience or currently play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sharing their stories to, uh, to all the listeners in an, in an effort to like inspire the youth and, and, you know, change the world in any way I can. Um, and it happens to just be through my voice and through theirs and their right. stories of inspiration and stuff like that. So you know, that's, that's been a bit of a struggle for me where I feel like if I was in like a place like Seattle or in a place like Atlanta, people would just be all over it, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I understand it, you know, and I, I, honest, I honestly love it, you know, because it makes the reward that much better. You know, I think that's just been a common theme in my life of just, you know, you got to really work for it. You really got to prove people why they have to buy into you. And I think it's going to pay off in the long run. Uh, talk a little bit. We have to go to break here in about two minutes, but talk a little bit about, um, your experience of, of being in the Erie sports scene. I mean, we have, you know, for a, a town this size, at one point having three minor league teams, that's a lot, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, um, and, and again, all those guys are my buddies, but uh, and, 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 and they work so hard. They do. But, it, but much like you just were just saying about your podcast, 
um, the, the the smaller we get as a city, the harder it is to get the sponsorships and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, the, you have to you have to make the monetary thing the the equation work. But tell us a little bit about your you know some of the things that you did and how you got involved with all that. Yeah, it all started off for me at the uh, Erie Bayhawks. I worked for them in the 2015 season. Um, that was my first ever job. I worked for the Erie Bayhawks. And uh, yeah, I, I worked several years for them there. I did a little bit of mascotting for them. Um, I was the last mascot in franchise history before they ended up. Did you really? Yeah, before they ended up moving Are down you to like New Orleans. Are you like particularly like a gymnastic type no. person? No, man, just a dude with a bunch of energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. But, uh, but my most passionate place, I think, uh, in the sports industry until now that I've worked was the Erie Sea Wolves. Sure. Um, you know, working I worked for them for nine years. Um, and that was that was super incredible. I did I think everything under under the moon there, like everything at some point or another. Um, yeah, getting getting to uh experience all the cool stuff I did with the Sea Wolves mm-hmm. are memories that I'll definitely cherish forever. That's very cool. What did you start with? Like a blog or like an Instagram account that was focused on the Saints? Yeah. New Orleans yeah, so I actually started with the Bayhawks first, um, and then not long after that, I think I switched over to the, uh, the starting up the Instagram and all that cool mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like at the same time, and then it was really cool because I was able to like kind of see the crossover, especially when we uh, started a, being an affiliate of the New Orleans Pelicans. So then it was yes. Yeah. How cool is that? Right. <laughs> that I mean. was awesome, especially because I was the mascot at that time, and so like I got to be. Uh, mascot alongside the New Orleans Pelicans mascot, who was also the New Orleans Saints mascot, which was mm-hmm. incredible for me because I was like kind of fangirling a little bit, you know. <laughs> at, at one point, like it was just it was just really awesome. So yeah, very cool. The um, uh, as far as uh, as as far as like starting to build onto that, you started with Instagram, and then what was the next step for you? Twitter, Twitter. Okay. Twitter is a uh, Twitter's huge. You know, if you're an aspiring content creator out there, you have to get on Twitter. You know, it's so I don't want to say easy, but you know, if you know what you're doing with social media or you just have a, that instant like natural knack for it, um, Twitter's the one of the easiest ways to grow. Um, it's the easiest way to get your message out there because for whatever reason, the way the algorithm works, it just you know, it, I mean, it literally tells you kind of what to do. You know, you can look right before you tweet and see what's trending. You know, and so you know what topic you can literally tweet about and instantly you're getting like i guess a good target number for a small content creator is like get get 10 15 likes on a tweet and you're you're in business you know how do you have like a discipline on how many tweets a day or how many tweets on a topic that you're going to shoot for uh it just kind of depends on kind of what my schedule looks like for that day but you know if Usually the NFL off season, I'm I'm banging out quite a few tweets a day on um, off season. Yeah, the off season is usually what's bigger for me because that's when you can speculate and you can really use your creative freedom, you know, and and kind of, you know, especially once you have a little bit of a following that I guess somewhat cares about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, you can start making like NFL mock drafts and you can start predicting who's going to go where in free agency or you can start saying this would make sense or this would be cool and you know people buy onto that stuff and. The hypotheticals really get fan bases excited, and so I think that that has helped with my with my growth a lot. Too. The hypotheticals make the fan base excited. Yeah. Okay, I want to unpack that a second here. So, so basically, uh, is it are they coming from a point of they're building their fantasy team? Are they are they are they Saints super fans? Tell us about like who would be the typical reader of your stuff. 
Yeah, I think the, I think the majority of my following is probably from you know Saints fans. But um, more recently, within the past like year and a half, I'd say I've really grown a following just from across the NFL as a whole, which has been really awesome to get to experience like all the fan bases kind of all at once. Um, but yeah, in terms of just like kind of going in more on my statement, like for example, the most recent one, right? Uh, the Saints just signed Derek Carr, but all off season or even into last season, I was kind of talking about it. I was just like, man, Derek Carr on the Saints would be really, really cool. You know, he could be the guy that we need. And then, you know, of course it happens, you know, a couple of days ago <laughs> it happened and, and yeah, it ended up paying off. And I was kind of portrayed as the guy who has been saying it all along. I wasn't necessarily saying it was going to happen. I wasn't going to, I wasn't saying that, you know, anything other than I would enjoy for that to happen, but because it did happen, makes me look kind of good i guess <laughs> <laughs> that that that's amazing um uh i want you to kind of share that the first time that it kind of broke out of your instagram and twitter feed to a position where another media outlet either quoted you or had you come on the show Ooh, the first one let me see hmm. i think it was Back whenever I wanted, I don't know why I wanted this, but <laughs> but a few years ago, about four-ish years ago, I really wanted the Saints to sign or trade for Carson Wentz, um, and I tweeted that, um, and I was I was pretty small on Twitter then. I only had maybe like four or five hundred followers, and mm -hmm. I tweeted it out, and for whatever reason, it ended up on ESPN. Like ESPN tweeted it, and they were like, "Could you imagine like?" Carson Wentz on the Saints, and that really blew up. Well, Carson and, was with the Bengals, right? Uh, he no. was with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. He was the then. Eagles, okay. Yeah, and then he ended up getting benched um, for Nick Foles and ended up being released or whatever yeah. it was to Colts. So, so you're kind of wishing, beyond wishing, of getting Carson to come, I'm really come glad down I, to New Orleans. I'm really glad it didn't happen in hindsight. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I was hoping for it, and that was my first tweet that I think really kind of blew up. So that was cool. So, so that kind of instantly gives you some gravitas when you're quoted by ESPN, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. They put me in a in an ESPN article, like just that tweet, and then they kind of went on and had their own opinions off of it. But I was kind of the source of the the spark of the conversation, if you will. Um, and yeah, and then kind of from there, you know, I just continued to tweet my opinions and stuff like that. And then over time, it kind of grew. And I think within the past year is where I've really just kind of been on a lot you know I've been getting a lot of like inquiries to come on podcasts and um, a lot of just general interest and, and stuff like that like I think in the past year alone I've been on 24-7 sports sports illustrated um, ESPN again um, just a bunch USA Today even like a bunch of different stuff so are they asking you like for your hot takes are they asking you your opinion on on you know on different uh, potential players, on drafts, uh, what what is the extent of all that? Believe it or not, most of them don't even ask. They just <laughs> they'll just take my stuff and put it in an article, and they'll they'll like source me. Um, yeah, like for example, like the Sports Illustrated that is one. Fascinating. Yeah. So you're just kind of you're just I, I this is gonna sound terrible, but you're bloviating, and they just yeah. quote you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. For example, like the Sports Illustrated one, I think is just the most random nonchalant thing ever like I was literally making dinner with my wife and uh, we were just cooking and I got a notification it says Sports Illustrated mentioned you in a post and I said what that's crazy <laughs> I thought it was just like one of those random accounts but then I look I opened it up and my my Instagram is blowing up my Twitter's blowing up I'm like what is going on right now and uh yeah I actually tweeted about Josh Jacobs the running back for the Las Vegas Raiders okay. and Josh Jacobs had quote tweeted it um I think the day before um, the tweet was on Sports Illustrated, but he quote tweeted it. And all I did was I, I 
same thing, statistics, right? Josh Jacobs yes. is a guy who's constantly overlooked for no reason. He's very healthy. You know, he constantly produces at a high level. And I tweeted that. Um, I just tweeted his career stats, you know, how many games he's missed, which was only like, I think, most three in a season or something like that. And a lot of people just portray him as this injury-prone guy when he's in reality not. Um, and I tweeted it out. And Josh Jacobs quote tweeted it and said, crazy, ain't it? And then uh, Sports Illustrated screenshotted that with my tweet and gave me the the credits and just posted it all over their socials and I got a lot of traction from that. And I mean, what we're probably talking like hundreds of thousands of views on something like that. Oh or? yeah, yeah. The tweet yeah. views alone were getting like definitely a, a few, a couple hundred thousand. I, I want to say. Incredible. I wish I got that many followers from it. Right, right. <laughs> right. But the, at least the tweet got seen around the world. Let's uh continue on here because i'm super interested in um and how now that you that your platform continues to grow so let's talk about this a bit um you you're getting you're getting quoted your tweets are getting quoted at some point you're like invited to weigh in to be one of those talking heads right yeah how does that start yeah i think it just kind of sparks off of off of everything else you know um you know, back when I, so I guess a key piece of information is uh, I used to write professionally. That's all I did. I wrote about sports for NFL Analysis Network. Um, and whenever I was doing that, you know, that's whenever, you know, things kind of took off for me. You know, obviously when all you do is you write about sports, you start to just naturally grow a following of people who read your content. Um, that was whenever really I started taking off with like the USA Today and like they would like take what I'm saying and, and kind of incorporate their own opinions into it and, and things of that nature. So um, I wrote for them for about six months um, full time. You know, yeah. I was writing six articles a day, oh five my. days a week. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so that was uh, that was a key key piece of information there. But uh, so whenever I was doing that, like towards the end of my stint with them, I actually got verified on Twitter. Um, the pre Elon verified, so I didn't pay for it. Uh, <laughs> I had it. I had it already. Um, <laughs> I got to pull out my five or seven bucks or whatever it costs. <laughs> what I can't remember what it is, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, and so um, you know, whenever you whenever you get that uh, that little badge of honor, if you will, sure. you know, you start to just get noticed more, just naturally. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you actually have a little um, a little tab in your notifications that say verified. And so if you if you mention somebody who's verified, they're gonna see it, you know. And a lot of a lot of athletes they they kind of just only check that one because they don't care really about the opinions of average people, you know. Sure. And so whenever they're seeing verified people kind of mention them in tweets and then those tweets are positive you know they're more inclined to, to show some love to it like it or retweet it or whatever the case may be and then yeah you know people just started messaging me on twitter i always keep my dms open because i like i like okay. to hear people's inquiries i like to answer questions and i, I like to uh try to be an inspiration to people so if they ever have any questions or they want to they want to talk about anything you know i'm always here you know um, yeah talk, talk about this part of this um you're you're not just uh, a you know a sports geek. You you have um, you have you have more going on with your mission here. Talk about that. Yeah, I just want to uh, I want to do what do what I can to put Erie on the map, and I want to you know change the lives of everyone who listens or follows my content. Um, you know, and I think in the field I'm in now over at Sinai Sports, I'm able to do that every single day, um, which is what I love to do. Um, I love to be. I want to be viewed you know when it's all said and done as somebody who made a direct impact on someone's life you know um, and sinai sports that's the place where uh there's a lot of training going on but including mm -hmm. for the ninja warrior yeah. stuff right yeah yeah we got we got ninja stuff going on we got uh gymnastics parkour all of it 
Um, you've got basketball court and we got a full size turf batting cages, all the cool stuff. And, you know, I'm blessed to be able to, to coach a class up there. Um, and it's really cool getting to just, you know, get to get to have an impact on someone's life, you know, that's, on a daily basis. That's super amazing. Yeah. I, um, I've got maybe uh, 15 minutes left with you and I want to make sure that we kind of cover the bases here. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm looking at the snow outside our window <laughs> here and uh, you know, we're, we're a month out from Super Bowl and what's, what's next draft is next, right? Yeah. Yeah, the means. NFL draft. We're in the midst of the XFL season. Shout out to Garrett Owens, Northeast product. He's playing oh, in the nice. XFL. Yeah. yeah. He was uh he was on my podcast recently right before the season. So shout out to him. He's doing good things out there. But but yeah, we're gearing up for the NFL draft in April. Um that's gonna be exciting, you know, especially as a Saints fan. We have very few needs now, which is good. Um but you, you have your quarterback. We got our quarterback, Derek Carr. You know, we're good now, but yeah, you know, it's going to be – it's a good time. The draft is always exciting, especially for me because I always get to interview um, a few guys leading up to the draft and share their stories, and then when they mm -hmm. get drafted, you know, a prime example of that is Alex Highsmith of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to uh, interview him before he was drafted by the Steelers in the third round a few years back, but um, I've stayed in contact with him and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we're uh, – you know, it's exciting. You know, you never know what, yeah. what guys are going to go where and – you know, that relationship and that first impression that you make can, can leave a lasting impression on them too. Do, do you feel like your guests on your podcast tend to want to tell their personal stories or is it football, football, football? Yeah. So the thing I, the thing I like to do that differs from, you know, some of your more standard NFL media is I like to just relate to them as a person, you know, mm -hmm. I always, I, I never really ever, you know, ask somebody to join my show and then not find out any information about them beforehand or communicate with them, you know, for an extended period of time beforehand, because I feel like making that relationship before you go on air is super important. Yeah. Um, because I very rarely, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on their football story, but I more or less want to know the adversity they had to overcome. I want to know, you know, what their childhood was like. And I want to know how they overcame all the odds to get to the NFL because only 1% of the, less than 1% of the, the world gets to play in the NFL, yeah, sure. you know, Absolutely. or any professional sport really for that matter. Um, and I like to know, you know, I, I, I encourage that they open up and share their story. I mean, obviously not all guys will, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but Alex is one that did and it was really cool and inspiring. Um, and this, I would say 90% of my podcasts, you know, the guys are opening up and they're, they're sharing their stories of, of adversity, how they overcame it. And, you know, and I think it's really important, you know, in every community to, to be able to listen to something like that and, 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 and you know, try to try to do it yourself, you know, why not? You know? Um, yeah. You know, a few years back I was in a position working at a job that I didn't like, you know, mm -hmm. and I always was just interviewing dudes who were, you know, going to the peak of their, uh, of their performance, you know, and I was like, why can't I, why can't I do what I love? And now I do. And I'm blessed. That that's pretty <laughs> remarkable to be able to, to channel all of this. Um, talk, uh, talk about the, uh, the, 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 there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like things going on with sports. So as you talk to somebody, especially as you talk to an NFL player, uh, I'm interested in some of their fears. Are, are they concerned about, for example, concussions and concussion protocol? I mean, they've been playing football probably since they were in peewee league, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't typically ask too much about it. I mean, it's been brought up a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the average, the average player knows that it's going to take a freak accident really to, 
have anything substantial or long-term happen to them, you know? Okay. Um, I think, you know, the NFL has made, especially the NFL has made great strides and, and safety with the helmets and the, and the new stuff that they're bringing out now. So I don't think the fear is as common. I think, you know, as a foot, as a former football player myself, like you just kind of, you learn to just kind of cope with it in a certain extent, yeah. which I don't know if necessarily that's a good thing, but <laughs> you know, it's just part of the game, you know, it's just part of what you sign up for. Um, you know that that risk is always there. And I think everybody, I think every football player has like a number in their mind of when they'll stop, you know, mine was six, you know, and I stopped at six. So is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. I ended up, I had six in my entire life, you know, uh, I think six I had concussions, six concussions. Yeah. Five, five in high school. And then, and then one playing semi-pro and I was just done after that. Oh, so, so that's, that is a reality. Yeah. Another hot topic, Michael Balco, that, uh, that, that I'm trying to get my arms around is the proliferation of gambling with sports now. I mean, there are literally whole radio stations that are all about the bet. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to me of, of all of that and, and what's your take on all that? Yeah, I think there's there's really not a huge difference between going to like a country fair and buying a lottery ticket and, and putting a parlay on your favorite football team, you know? Um, I think it's just huge because you're you're tying in two major, major things and two areas of interest and they happen to be two of the biggest ones, right? You know, that, that shot of winning the lottery and then, you know, you tie that in with sports, right? And it's just an instant like gratification, you know, and I think the process of you know, you potentially winning millions and millions of dollars is much more enjoyable to watch than, than some people taking little balls out of a machine, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I think whenever you get to sit there and you get to sweat a little bit for, for three hours on a Sunday morning and, and watch, uh, watch a team potentially win you thousands of dollars and watch you potentially lose the same amount, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's a, just a instant gratification and satisfaction from, from just culture in general that, that just is drawn to that. So you think that that's why it's so huge right now? I mean, it just yeah. it's it's just it's uh, another way to participate in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, you almost kind of feel like you're in, you're involved in some way. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> well, there, you, know? you have you have skin in the game, literally, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, exactly. And I could never imagine putting like my entire like house on a game, you oh know. My. But there are some people who get so deep into it, and it's it's really sad, you know. I mean, it can go good and it can go very very badly for people. Um, you got to be responsible with it though. Like if anybody's out there listening, you got a gambling problem, like make sure, you know, do it responsibly, you know, mm -hmm. don't bet your entire life on, on anything. I, I wouldn't recommend, you know, <laughs> is, is fantasy sports still a huge deal? And it, does that drive a lot of your listenership, uh, and your readership on your socials? Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fantasy guy myself. I, I think I was in like seven fantasy football leagues this past season. So I love fantasy football. I think it's very cool, very unique and, and kind of the statistics side of fantasy football is even crazier than just normal NFL statistics because you're gauging how many times a guy is being thrown to and you're comparing that to other guys and how long how much they're thrown to. So whether or not they actually make the catch or not, you know, you still you want to look at how many targets they're getting because if they're getting, you know, 100 targets a season, you know that that's potentially 100 points that you're going to get in a PPR league. So All right, hey, so we've got like 8 minutes. Yeah. I want we're gonna we're gonna just do a Michael Balco show on the Joel Natale show. Okay, <laughs> sounds so, good. So so let's let's do this here a second and uh, let's talk about you know local sports here. First off, um, uh, you know we're we're looking at the draft. Mm -hmm. We've got the Browns 
the Steelers and the Bills. Uh, of course, the Bills are, uh, you know, I don't know where they're at with the draft because, you know, they did so well this year. Uh, but they haven't been able to punch it through to the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Let's start with the Bills and we'll go around the horn here. Yeah, I think if the Bills are in a position where they can get Texas running back Bijan Robinson, they need to make it happen. Um, what what where where are they at in the in the stack uh, for their first round? I think they're pick number twenty nine, if I remember okay, they're correctly. They're way down. Yeah, they're pretty far down there. I mean, the Bills are in a position where they could probably trade up, you know, if they okay. wanted to, and and really go get if there if there is a guy in the draft that the Buffalo Bills want, and let's say it is Bijan Robinson. I think the Bills' really only true weakness is is running back. You know, I think they could really use. A, a game changer at the running back position and I think you know Bijan Robinson is very much viewed as as that guy who can be that um, and so I think if the Bills really have their eyes set on somebody they're in a position where they can give up some draft capital later in the draft or whatever the case may be in order to go up and get their guy and and they might I, I mean I, I think they so you think the running game is is what they're they're missing link yeah that, that'll punch him through you think yeah they don't really need anyone to throw to i think they're pretty good there they got stefan diggs you got josh allen you How line about up a, defense uh, deep i mean the bills got like one of the top three defenses in the nfl so i think they're pretty good there too i mean they could probably use some some depth you know later in the draft and stuff but i don't know i think that they really could just use a superstar at the running back position so i know they just had dinner with Bijan robinson the other day so <laughs> what did they eat how do you uh, even know this i mean it came out it came out so it's so funny That's what so funny. it's so funny what people tap into when it's draft season. They'll be like, "Oh, they ate dinner together." That's right. <laughs> if if they order the if they order the steak, it's one thing. If they order the chicken, it's something else. Yeah, the, they don't like you much salmon. if you got the chicken. <laughs> right. They don't like you much. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the Steelers. Uh, uh, you know, um, a lot of there's a lot of anti Tomlin sentiment out there. It's weird. Is it is that warranted? I don't. I don't think it's warranted. I think Mike Tomlin's one of the best player coaches in the NFL, probably NFL history. I don't think there's ever been as many guys willing to go to bat for their their head coach as there are on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's for sure. Do you think um, it was a, it was a, a good move uh, for Connors to jump to the Cardinals? I mean, I you know a lot a lot of broken hearts in Erie, Pennsylvania, <laughs> right? But he's yeah. doing so well with Arizona. Yeah, he's crushing it out there in Arizona. Him and Jesse Lucetta too who uh, played football at Mercyhurst Prep. but Nice. But, yeah, you know, um, selfishly, I want to say no. But uh, but yeah. for him in his career, I think he's killing it out there yeah, in Arizona. He, he, they, they got a good role for him out well, there. Well, and he was the, with Ben. Ben, ben yeah. didn't like to hand it off. Ben liked to yeah. throw, right? I mean, yeah. So, okay, so what is, what's the Steelers' play here at, at the draft? I mean, the Steelers can go a few different spots. I think they're kind of in more of a position where they can kind of take the best player available. I mean, they don't need – they don't really need a quarterback. Obviously, they got Kenny Pickett. They drafted him in the first round last year. They'd have Najee Harris. They don't need a running back either. So, um, I mean, their receiving core is is fine, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're in a position where they could really just kind of take the best offensive linemen available or maybe just beef up the defense a little bit, you know. Do they need to do a coaching I, – I, sorry, yeah. to, not not on not on the top level, but people yeah. are busting on – what is it? Mike uh, Tomlin? Uh, no, under, under Tomlin, uh, the – was it the offensive coordinator that oh, they don't yeah. like? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people, people in Western PA, <laughs> man, they are critical. Yeah, when it comes to the Steelers. Yeah, they don't like him too much. Who uh, is it? Is it what's his, what's the fellow's I, name? Florida or no? I forgot his name. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, they, it comes up on the Twitter feed a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't like him too much, mm. and I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, you have all these offensive weapons. There's there's no reason why you shouldn't have been a clear cut. You know, at least, you know. 
I don't know. I think the Steelers should have been much better than they were this past year, for sure. Yeah. You know, you have everything you need, really. I mean, you mm-hmm. can beef up the O-line a little bit and maybe add some youth to the defense and you'll be fine. Um, okay. So that's pretty much, I mean, if the Steelers can address the the un, the unpretty, the non-pretty uh, picks, you know, right. get the get the big uglies, you, if you will. You think will. that they're uh, a middler, a couple more middler seasons before they break out, or they you think they're, they're playoff worthy with th- a couple good picks? I mean, I, I don't see them finishing any less than, than second in the AFC North, oh. to be honest. I mean, I mean, the Bengals are the front runners in that division, but I mean, sure. it really just depends on what the Ravens end up doing. Um, I know they hit you know Lamar with that tag but I mean mm-hmm. that doesn't rule out necessarily a trade and I mean if if they trade Lamar Jackson they're probably in a uh, a little bit of a rebuild out there so okay you know it's really hard to tell so let's talk about the the Browns supposedly <laughs> they have their their franchise quarterback uh supposedly 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 what's your take there Michael Balco <laughs> I know he uh he likes massages we know that oh for goodness sake <laughs> no I'm just kidding in all seriousness Can- Canada is the name of the offensive coordinator. oh Canada yeah, there it yeah. is I knew it was Florida Canada you know, <laughs> somewhere around the yeah Cape, uh, Quebec right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big Deshaun Watson fan I mean he you're is, not he's, okay he's naturally gifted but uh you know I don't Does know he have somebody to throw to Nah, I mean Donovan Peoples Jones is okay. Amari right. Cooper's pretty good. I mean, it's really it's I mean, it's hit or miss. The Browns are a big running team. I mean, I Nick was Chubb say, and they Kareem Chubb, Hunt. Chubb yeah. and Hunt. Yeah. They they should the, the, <laughs> it seems like it's the opposite pick. Yeah. To have that kind of quarterback. I I felt yeah. like Baker Mayfield was the guy. Baker was pretty good there. I don't I I don't really think so Baker was Yeah, I don't think he was given a fair shot. I think you know, and he showcased some of that in the with the Rams this year too. He he did pretty good in a couple spot starts for them. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Browns kind of quarterback. I think you know the Cleveland Browns want a quarterback that's mobile, but I think you know a Baker Mayfield type is the kind of quarterback that fits their system. You know, we tried. They tried to. They tried the mobile. You know, express with uh, with Johnny Manziel a few years back. We saw how that wound up, but. You know, they instantly found success with Jacoby Brissett, and then they find success with, you know, they find not success with Deshaun Watson, and they find success with Baker. So, you know, if you look at the kind of quarterbacks that have had success in Cleveland versus the kinds that haven't, you know, the mold of Cleveland should not be a mobile quarterback necessarily. I think they need Mm -hmm. to go for, you know, more of the pocket passer, you know, the unselfish, willing to hand it off kind of guy. And, and, you know, you don't need a superstar in Cleveland. You just need somebody who's a team player, you know. Maybe like a, a Jameis Winston or, you know, honestly, Jacoby Brissett was a rock star for them. Yeah. Or maybe like a Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody like that. But obviously, you know, the Browns are out of the quarterback sweepstake. It's not going to sure. happen. They're going to roll do, with Do you think that there's, there's a place where coaching, although they've been through so many coaches, do you think that coaching and the lack of discipline in that locker room is is a problem for the Browns? Yeah. I mean, this is... And, and I don't even, you know... Yeah. It's hard to tell. I think the Browns have a pretty good culture overall. I mean, Kevin okay. Stefanski does a pretty good job, yeah. I think. Um, I think they have a pretty good culture, you know, but I think if, you know, if it doesn't translate to wins on the football field, I think, yeah. you know, every coach is on the hot seat. So I got to um, ask you be- yeah. before I run out of time yeah. about officiating in the NFL. Yeah. Talk about, I'm sure your Twitter feed just blows up. <laughs> Especially yeah. with that with that call mm-hmm. in, in the Super Bowl. I mean, we actually had a decent Super Bowl, right? A competitive <laughs> Super Bowl. And you want to let the let the guys play. Let the let the fellas play. Yeah. And I don't know, man. That was that was rough. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny too because the NFL came out and said that they thought they had the best season of officiating they've ever had before. Are you kidding me? Not kidding. I wish I was, but <laughs> yeah, they came out and they said that, and it was probably arguably the worst. You know, um, I know, especially as a New Orleans Saints fan, it was it was awful with that no call a few years back. But but yeah, I think officiating definitely needs to be corrected and and whatnot moving forward. But yeah. Wow! Wow! Amazing! Amazing stuff. Hey, I gotta let let you go there, but boy, oh boy, uh, th- you must have a blast. Yeah, life is good. Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to join with us here, Michael Balco, the Michael Balco Show. How do we find it, sir? Yeah, you can find the Michael Balco Show anywhere you listen to uh, podcasts at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the whole nine yards. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael Balco Junior, um, Instagram Michael Balco beautiful appreciate it very very much have a great one thank you you too you've been listening to the joel natale show erie pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.